Thank you, Heavenly Father, for tonight. Thank you for your love, your goodness to us. Thank you for bringing us here safely. Please bless our time together so that we can glorify your name with what we learned tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. Uh, now, just so you know, um, in an effort to get to know some of you guys better, I kind of cheated and asked your siblings if it was uh, fair for them growing up in a house with you. I really wanted to know if your parents tre- well, treated you nicely um, in comparison to them. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the next slide. All right, we're going to play a guessing game. going to guess who. All right, first up, we have, she is able to go out a bit more with her friends than I did. Who in Ignition do you think this description fits? Jody, Jamie, is that true? Is she, does she get to go out more than you, you did at her age? I guess it's true, but this, is, this one wasn't Jody. Uh, this one was Hannah, um, and that was said by Rachel. This next one, this, this person gets away with everything. She once put our parents' laptop on the floor, accidentally stepped on and broke it. They didn't even care. If it were me and my brother, we would have hung out in the front yard. That means they would have gotten hung. So who in the world is this? This person is not sitting in the back laughing because they're guilty. Come on, someone guess. Joy, wow. All right, it's Joy. Joy, you agree, right? Do you, are you treated much better than you are? All right, uh, next up. Blank and blank can get away with being really sassy and answering back. So who are the sassiest people you know in youth group? Oh, someone said it. Someone already said one. It begins with a C. Celine. Okay, Celine and who else? And John. Celine and John are really sassy. That was by your brother, Craig. Uh, yeah. This, this one was my favorite one here. Uh, this person doesn't have to wash dishes every Sunday. They got a smartphone way before I did. They didn't get beat as much as me. Plus, not having to go out and work while I started at a young age. Who is this person? No. That's Jared. Might have said, Wow. They know you well. All right. All right. Dress again. You notice that no one complains about unfairness when unfairness benefits them. Uh, Jared, I'm sure you don't complain and say, Mom, Dad, uh, I know Kyle had to do all the dishes on Sunday, but I want to do it too, just like Kyle did. Do you do that? You do? You, you want to do dishes? Would you complain? To you? No. Uh, Joy, when, when you break laptops and crip walk on them, do you, do you say, well, if you, you know, Mom and Dad, if you're going to hang Stephen and Christopher, uh, you should do the same to me. Do you, do you do that? No, she doesn't. All right. So no one complains about unfairness when it benefits you. All right. Uh, if Michaela went with Justin to buy a, a phone from BTC, right? $200 phone. And Michaela forgot her money at home. Uh, Justin gets his new iPhone 7.8S, whatever it is. Uh, $200. The next day, Michaela goes back and they have like a 50% discount on this iPhone. Would you go, Michaela, and would you tell them, look, I can't buy this. My friend Justin just came in here yesterday and bought this phone for $200, so I need to spend $200. Would you do that? She she would? So you would spend $200 just because Justin did? 
Oh, no, okay. All right, just making sure. So uh, no one complains about unfairness unless or when it benefits you. Um, the same thing is true about forgiveness. Um, when people forgive us, we're excited, we're, we're happy, we're relieved. But when people offend us, when we're wronged, we don't want to return the favor. Most of us agree that forgiveness is a good idea. But most of us also agree that not everything is forgivable. When is an offense too serious? When are we forgiven too much? And when are we enabling people to do the same hurtful things to us? In moments when you've been hurt or frustrated, how do you know or how do you choose what sins to forgive and what to forgive? In other words, how do you judge what's fair to forgive and what's unfair? All right, I think most of us have this kind of scale here where we say something is forgivable or unforgivable. But we have a scale. Now, you might not think about it like that, but you, when someone offends you, you think about what it is, and you rate it. You'll say, well, this is like a one. I, I could forgive this. If someone says, hey, but you like mine, you say, oh, whatever. We always have that. You might say, that's a two. I could, I could probably forgive that. But if someone says, but your mommy's so ugly, you want to your mama, you know, that's like a ten. All right, so I want you to tell me, if your friend stole your favorite video game or smartphone, what's the number? Yeah, smartphone. Ten. So that's unforgivable. That's like a general consensus or 10? All right. Um, next one. Your best friend spreads rumor about you. 10? 9, 11. So like if he said like, hey, you know, you're, you know, you pee the bed, you know, like that's a serious rumor. All right. Next up. Your classmate takes credit. For your hard work. Man, geez, you're so unforgiving, Dred. Like, all right, now this one's more serious. A drunk driver causes you to receive a permanent disability. Wow. A thousand. Any, anyone else? Ten million? All right. What about a criminal who murders a loved one? That was a one? Your finger went up. Zero. You forgive him. Okay. All right. Look at that scale. All right. Now, we, we were quick to throw out numbers. But when it comes to God, God doesn't rate our offenses and put them on a scale like this. Uh, and that's some pretty good news. If you think about all the things you do, all the things you, you do that you shouldn't do, all the things you don't do that you should all the rude things you say about people behind their backs or even to their faces, uh, what you think about people, uh, all, all kinds of things. But God, God doesn't do or have a scale for us. Fairness. This, this one is an important one. Most of us, when we think about fairness, we think that everyone should be treated the same. And that would mean everyone receives what he or she deserves. Right? But God isn't completely fair. If he were we would be completely separated from him because of our sin. Uh, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. If God were treated us fairly, we would be separated from him forever. Yeah, God is holy. That means he is separated from, from sin itself. He's separated from moral defilement. He's sinless, and he has an inability to sin. His holiness is naturally hostile towards sin. He's just, so there's no partiality with God. God doesn't show favoritism. God is also gracious, and in that, 
is his compassion, his mercy, his love, and his kindness. I'm going to read to you Isaiah 59. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Here God is saying that mankind's sin separates us from him. I know some of you are thinking, what's the big deal about sin? Like, why is it such a big deal to God? Why is it so serious? I want you to think about sin like a, an attack on God's holiness itself. Uh, sin is, yeah, sin is an attack on God's holiness. Uh, it's, a, it's a great offense to him. And if he lets it stand, then he's not just. So because he is holy, that means he's separated from sin. He can't stand to bear it at all. So he must punish sin. Right? When we think about God's holiness and we realize that it demands a separation from sin, but we want forgiveness no matter what. We would say, God, why don't you just forget about it? Just let it go. That's the name of the series. Let it go, God. Um, just let us go. But if there's someone in the Bible who knew a lot about forgiveness, it's Saul. I'm not sure if many of you remember Saul. He's the apostle. Apostle Paul. Do you know what he did before he was the apostle? Persecuted Christians. That's right. Um, he was kind of like um, you know Dog the Bounty Hunter? He was kind of like Dog the Bounty Hunter and the Pope in one. Like He was a religious guy, but he hunted Christians down, threw them in jail, and killed them. This dude was so serious that he actually went to the high priest, asked the high priest, hey, I want a letter giving me permission so when I go to another city, I can actually arrest Christians, throw them in jail, and have them killed. This dude was committed to what he did. But then everything changed for Paul. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus actually asked him, Paul, why do you persecute me? Well, Saul, why do you persecute me? You realize that Jesus was talking about the Christians who were being persecuted. That was an attack. Jesus Christ saw the persecution of Christians as an attack on him personally. So I want you to keep that in mind. Uh, next slide for me. This is what Paul himself wrote in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I want you to look at verse 7 first. Well, one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. Most of us wouldn't die for a good person anyway. Uh, that, that's what the verse is saying. Most of us wouldn't even die for a good person. You might find someone, uh, maybe Michaela, she's very nice and kind. She might be willing to die for a good person, but most of us wouldn't. But notice what verse, seven, what verse 6 says. While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So while we were still ungodly, while we were still attacking God, as it were, while we were still hurting him, Christ died for us. It's almost like Christ shows up and says, God, I know you're holy. I know you're just. I know you have to punish these people for sin. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take their punishment. So he credited uh, our punishment to his account. So he asks God really to treat him as if he were a sinner. And he credits to us his own righteousness. So it's almost like God saw Jesus as attacking him. Jesus didn't attack God. Jesus never sinned. But God treated Jesus as if he did. Verse 8 sums it up pretty good. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates his love. 
Uh, I think it's important to note here that if God weren't just, there would be no demand for his son to suffer and die. He wouldn't actually ask Jesus, Jesus, come and die for sinners if he wasn't just. He would just let it go. But he is just, so he must punish sin. And if God were not loving, there would be no willingness for Jesus to suffer and die. But God is both just and he's loving. So Jesus shows that God's love was willing to meet the demands of his justice. Right? That's what the cross shows. That's forgiveness. There's no concern about what's fair or what's not. Right. Next slide for me. So let's bring this home. What, is, what does all this mean for us? Romans 6.10 says, For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for all of your sins. There is no offense that you've done or that you will ever do where Jesus says, well, I can, I can forgive this. I can't forgive that. I'll take this, but not that. He died for them all. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Bearing with one another means putting up with someone. It doesn't mean that you are best friends with them once again. It doesn't mean that you have to continue to be attacked by these people, but it means you're not holding a grudge against them, as we discussed last week. Forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint. So if you have a complaint against anyone, you forgive them wholeheartedly, completely. There's no holding any grudges. There's no scale. Just as the Lord forgave you. The Lord is the example here in this case of how to forgive. God forgave us completely of all our sins, and that's how we should forgive. Uh, I think it's important that we keep this in mind. I know when we are offended, it hurts. It hurts badly. But if Jesus Christ can forgive us for sin, and we attacked him, we can do the same to others. I just have a little video here at the end. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do small groups afterwards. Probably, yeah, we'll do small groups. Uh, but I want you to be thinking about what sign you would hold if you were on this video.
Um, you have something in mind what signs you would probably be holding? Yeah, I see some blank faces. Well, I, I could think of some for me. Uh, forgiveness is very important, guys. Uh, that last cardboard clipping at the end shows the importance of forgiveness. If we don't forgive other people for what they've done to us, God won't forgive us. Uh, and when I think about something like that, that's, that's a serious, serious situation to be in. So guys, let's, let's go out, live godly lives, lives that bring glory to God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for sending your son to die to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you for the forgiveness that he offers us. Help us to forgive others so we can live lives that are pleasing to you, so that we can lift you up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.